podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi guys, Cookie from the Non-League Treatment Room. Quick message about one of our sponsors, Tread. Tread offer top quality grip socks for all types of sport, available in a range of different colours. Tread won't let you slip. Check the link out in our bio on social media or in the description below to get yours ready for pre-season. Welcome back to the non-league treatment room for another episode and I'm Cookie and I'm here to bring you another episode alongside me as always is Davo. How are you mate? I'm good thanks mate, are you? I'm very good, yeah. Good week so far? Busy, um, but yeah, football's back in as I said on the last one, so just getting back into motions with that now. And what a moment today as well, we can mention the England, the women's England yes. making the World Cup final. Watched it as well. Watched you know, it at work. We're all behind them and bring it home for us. That's, that's what I always say. It's coming and, home. Um, yeah, we're, uh, I'm sure the nation is all behind them. So let's bring it home and uh, all the best for that one. As always, make sure you're following social medias, guys, because that's where you're going to catch up on everything for us. Um, but I'm looking forward to this one. Mm. And as you can probably tell by the title, someone that has been around the non-league game for a long time. Um, been mentioned in a lot of our episodes as well, hasn't he? Yes, mate, yeah. A lot of guests, Jimmy Armisen, Jimmy Janelli, yeah. Peps. A lot Stano. of the funny stories have, uh, have involved this person. His name keeps <laughs> cropping up, so we had to bring him in Yeah, to did. hear his side of the stories. Yeah. That's what I say. Um, but yeah, without, let's just do the intro. Let's do let's it. Let's do it. So in the treatment room today, we have someone who has been in and around non-league football at many different levels. A big character in the dressing room and a great leader. Being a player and a manager, we get to hear both sides of his story. So please welcome Guy Hadland. How are we doing, boys? Andy Lee, we good? Very good, mate. Thank you. Very good. Really appreciate you coming in and doing this. Um, been a name on our list for a long time because of the non-league and the football career you've had, the journey, player, manager, you know, and... We're looking forward to hearing your stories. Yeah, well, I think I've had to come in because I've been interested in your podcast the last, what, four or five weeks or so listening and my name does keep cropping up. So. <laughs> You've got a lot to so, say. There are two sides to uh, yeah. every story. It does keep cropping up. Um, but we always start the podcast with what does football mean to you? Yeah, it's, um, I think, obviously people know my journey for the last six months, if, you know, with me having cancer, I, I think. Pre-cancer, football was my, my energy. It was my energy, it was my drive. Uh, and that was in my work life as well, outside of football. But now what does football mean to me? Probably, it's probably very different. It's, it's, it's my go-to place to be. It just puts a smile on my face. It's, it is my go-to place. And my wife knows that, my family know that, and I think all my friends know that. You know, I'm at my best I'm around, when I'm around my mates and I'm around football. So, yeah, it's my go-to place. Yeah, definitely. Is... Is there different meanings as well in terms of football when you're a player and when you're a manager? Oh, or do you reckon it's the it's, same? It's, it's massively different. I mean, depending on what type of player you are, I think, will determine what type of manager you are. And there's, when I say I wore my heart on my sleeve as a player, 
and I think I did that as a manager. Yeah, I can agree. At the same time, and um, and that doesn't necessarily make you a good manager. I, you know, I got good results out of um, the performance of the, the boys when I was managing at Barwell, and you know, even at Hens for that short time. But I think now the management world's changed. You know, you, you are the players are a lot younger. The games completely changed as well. People, you know, the ball get you get the ball down. You move the ball around the pitch. There's a lot of tactics involved, but um, I think it's missing. I think it's missing that 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 winning attitude. You know, people want to win. I know they want to win. I know it hurts losing, but um, is the mindset to go out there and actually just win a game at all costs, or is the game, to, or is it to go out there and look attractive and then keep moving the ball around and hopefully if we do that, we win the game. You know, in my experience, is um, as a football playing as a as a player, I uh, I love that. Mm. I love that. Did I get the satisfaction as a manager? The wins, yeah. The losses, hated it. I suppose it's a hard transition though, isn't it? To being on the pitch and heading every ball that comes your way to then being stood on the outside. And I can imagine you still being there on the side, getting up for every single header when that ball's... Anything to do with any... You know, I always... You probably hear me... You see uh, the analogies a lot where I flip what I do at work to what I do with my football. Yeah. And in any job, generally, and sport, there's so many synergies. And you've got to, you know, you <laughs> at work, when I'm, I'm in sales, I'm head of sales of a business, I, I walk out the door still going, yes, yeah. we've got that. Yeah. <laughs> my director at work's like, are you nuts? I'm like, no, we're punching the sky. We've got the deal. Got the three so, points. That's it, you know. So <laughs> I want to win. But that was, you know, that was installed me from a young age, you know. If we didn't win, I got, you know, those... The plastic poles, you know, I got one of them smacked around my back if I didn't win a game. So that's how it was when we were younger. So so going back to when you were young then, Guy, if we can go all the way back to where it all started for you and, and, and where did it all start for you well, it's as a footballer? Strange, really, because football doesn't run in our family. Um, we're, the family's made up of um, swimmers okay. uh, and athletes, you know, and boxing and, and swimming. Nothing major. They're always, you know, they're always involved in that football and rugby, you know, the conventional sports and the cricket. No, you know, granddad was a swimmer in the army and a gymnast in the army. His brother emigrated to Australia. He swam for Australia. Wow. Uh, my dad was a brilliant swimmer. Our Scotty, my brother, he's a fantastic swimmer. Um, I couldn't swim. <laughs> I <was a> <laughs> um, but I could run. I could run. And uh, just from a young age, you know, Dad always used to say to me, all the kids in the street and that, my son will beat you, my son will beat you. And I could run. And it wasn't like 100 metres, you know. We used to run the block, you know. So, so in Attleborough, anyone that knows the needs, yeah. around Gadsby Street, around there, we used to run that block. And I used to race all the kids. But I was always the fastest kid at like 500, 600 metres, 800 metres. That took me through to at school. I was always competitive. And uh, then eating Harriers. Mm. And then some just guy says to me, do you want to come and play for Chetwind Squirrels? Because you can run. And I got into football, I was like 12, 13, and that's late. That is late. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, within 12 months of playing, um, Comte City and Leicester City and Derby County and Aston Villa will just come and, have, come and play. And I, I didn't understand the offside rule, you know. Mm. <laughs> so I was just running. <laughs> and I was offside. And I got upset. You know, I was still at school and I got upset. My dad would go, don't know why he's blowing the whistle because I don't understand the rule either. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I um, 
went to a, I loved it at the villa. I was like 13, 14, loved it there. And then I went to my first ever game, which was Aston Villa Coventry City, because we got tickets, you know. Yeah. And uh, I just seen the crap, and I'd never been to a game. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. And what a game to go to. Yeah, Aston yeah, Villa Coventry. Derby. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. So that would have been about 1991. So. When I was born. Was oh, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Christ, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I was like, I was like 12, 13, 13, about 13. And uh, I was it. I just looked at it. I thought, oh, I want to play. Mm. And and then they just found out that I was strong, I was tenacious, I was an athlete. Mm. And then all of a sudden I became, I was a right back to start with. And yeah. I just got told, don't let people go past you. And that was it. You ain't going past me. Mm. I, I'm, they loved me for it because they gave me very simple instructions and I did it. So they, they took me on. I got taken on as an apprenticeship in mm. um, 1994, 95. And it was brilliant back then, so it's very different to like now. So I was going to say, it's very different. So what age was that then? So I was so I left as school on the Friday and on the Monday, I was in 16 years old at the training ground. Um, so yeah, I was 16, doing my, they call it the YTS. Yeah. Okay, yeah. My apprenticeship. 27 quid a week to rise to 29 pound the, se- the, the second year. Uh, but to prepare my car, I was trying to um, um, Kingsbury every day. Mm. I only put 10 quid in the car and I, I, I didn't empty it by the end of the week. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it just cost me 10 quid to get in to come and see you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what sort of names were with you at when you were at the Villa got? Was there any big names that you... So, when we, so our youth team, there was... Um, so Brian Little had just come in. So Ron Atkinson had just... Uh, been fired. Brian Little has come in, and um, it's quite exciting then because you know that first year the first team were flying, mm. the club was um, the club was going places. And uh, back then we didn't, you know, we used to train right next to the first team. Mm. Um, so the names that were so our youth team was unbelievable. We won the league both years. We did well in the FA Youth Cup. We had Lee Hendry, Darren Byfield, wow. Alan Lee, who went on to play for Cardiff and Ipswich, Rotherham. 400 games uh, Aaron Lescott which is Joe Lescott's brother yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, drives for sale yeah um, big names already that yeah, is huge. to be, yeah, to be in good, and around good, every good day players. as well mm. J Lord Samuel yeah yeah, yeah he was Bolton he went to uh, Gareth Barry well. yeah, Mr. Biggest one of them all Gareth Barry yeah. so Gareth's two years younger than me but Gareth was playing in that youth team uh, he was coming up so when I was turning 17 the second year, he was 15 years old and he was playing, but he was outstanding. Did you have to do the old um, clean their boots back then? Yeah, brilliant. Who, who did you clean? <coughs> so my first year, this is quite funny actually, so Jane Charles was playing for... Yeah. Uh, Eaton. Eaton. Yeah. Uh, I was Gary Charles' boot boy. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, so it was him and Tommy Johnson and Ian Wright, I had them three and they were, they were a car school, they were hilarious. <laughs> and I got, you know, Later on, when we, we talk about you know where I am now, um, a couple of them reached out you know through my circumstances. Really, wow! And um, and then I was lucky enough then. So my second year, um, I wanted to do Paul McGrath because Paul McGrath was the man. Anyway, mm. so I just I, I did Paul McGrath, but I was um, I was the Brian Littles, and he was brilliant with me. Yeah, yeah, and he's not you know. People who don't understand it, you know, I don't. No one's. I haven't heard it mentioned much. People say cleaning boots. It wasn't about cleaning boots. No, it's it was about you. You get into their circle. Yeah. So that's the way you look at. You get into their circle, 
they look after you, you they mentor you, and a part of that privilege is you look after them. Mm. And, you know, they did look after you. Yeah. They did look after you massively. You know, um, I remember Mark Bosnick saying to me, I, you know, I heard you in the corridor saying, you're skint, go outside, clean my car, give 50 quid, son. You know, 50 quid, 1995, yeah. I was on 20, yeah. 27 pound a week. <laughs> but yeah, my times there were wonderful and they really schooled me. I, I came on massively because I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn. I've got a funny story about my first day. So my, dad's, my dad was always a person that says to me, right, you make sure whatever you do in life, son, you try your hardest. Mm. Whatever you do, you try your hardest. So that was when, I, you know, before I was playing football, running everything. Mm. I bust a bollock, mate. I wanted to win. So I went in on the first day. And uh, some of these kids are, you know, Birmingham Street kids. You know, these are, these are just from different areas that I, I'd come from. You know, I was a little bit, you know, probably country bumpkin compared to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And I've turned up. And all the names, you know, then there weren't names then, but these boys, and these 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 were known to have a talent. I was yeah. the lad that came through. I had to really fight to get my scholarship, so I pushed everyone out the way. And on the first day, when the doors opened, we had to get a medical. Mm. So I've gone in, and I've just gone. I'm at the front bank, and I'm sticking my chest out, and I've done loads of sit-ups and press-ups to get me up, make sure I was super strong. Mm. And I'm standing there at the front of the queue. And I was standing still, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the doors open. He said, in you come. Ne- uh, and you're going to like an amphichamber. Take your clothes off, into your, into your uh, slips, and go into the physio room. You lot wait there. So like, it. So these two guys just took me in, in the white gowns. So I'm my medical. And uh, so I'm just in my pants. So they asked me to like bend over. And then, <laughs> and I, this is like bad, isn't it? This is really bad. <laughs> so they went, bend over. And you know, the old school meter, you know, I'm a bit older than you boys, but yeah. the old school meter sticks, the wooden ones. Yeah, still yeah. got them about now. Yeah. So they went, we're going to smack you straight across the arse. It's a strength test. Oh. And if you scream, yeah, then it's on like a Richter scale sort of thing. And we're, we'll, <laughs> this ain't real, surely not. Real. So smack my arse. <laughs> and I was going, mm. <laughs> One more. <laughs> well done. You've passed that. Next thing, they're going, right, we need to do the measurements now. So they say, like, you probably need to get, like, take your slips off. So as I'm just about to say my slips, I'll take measurements of the old lad. Yeah. And Jim Walker, the physio, walks in and says, Dwight, you're Danny Acton. What the fuck are you doing? Oh. <laughs> and they're just up. What's who's the players? Yeah. Oh, was, my God. And they, got, they did me day one. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's like that is top level prank. Like that. That's I know. That's I know. Brilliant. I know. I tell that story to people, but <laughs> they. I, they but I was like, I wouldn't scream. You hit me as hard as you want. I'm not screaming. They'll yeah. belt in my ass. Oh my god! Imagine that happening now. Like no oh, way. Most of that happened. Do you know what? I don't care what anyone says. It, they were brilliant people. Yeah, yeah. it's character yeah. building. It's, Absolutely it's brilliant people. And you pass all that stuff on. As you will hear later on, I passed a lot of that stuff on. Yeah, and these people are strong people now. But yeah, but it was good for me, you know. Mm. So yeah, that journey was absolutely fantastic, at Aston Villa. Mm. And, I, and then I was, I played, I did well, um, and I got a, a professional contract. Yeah, and uh, so we're into like nineteen ninety eight now. Mm. John Gregory then was my manager, who then became the first team manager. Yeah, um, and yeah, um, that final year, that pro year, um, 
then uh, you know I'm looking for another uh, I've got a one year pro contract I'm looking for a, a second year out of it and um all of a sudden you're turning like 20 and they're asking you are you you're you going to be in the first team you know this is a challenge and you're looking ahead of you got Hugo Ekiog Gareth Southgate mm. Paul McGrath yeah um and you that's your next step and they just said like you know you're you don't see getting the first team, and then my contract was terminated. So I then, um, yeah, moved on. I, I, I was then meant to sign for Northampton. Yeah. What yeah. what um what sort of players did you look up to, or what sort of players did you surround yourself with there to, you know, not sort of have not sort of someone take you under the under mm. the wing to sort of teach you the ropes and stuff like that. Who did you try and who did you try and attach yourself to? I, I got it tough because my my, my dad was a yeah we weren't. I suppose we had you know, we, a little bit of money. We, the family they had their own business. I got it tough. So I got quite a bit of shit from all the staff and all the players, you know, because they looked at me, he's like, you get the silver spoon. But I then let that out on the training field, you know. Any of you know me, I, I, won't, I won't mess around. I, mm. you know, I, put, I put my foot in big time. Mm. But I got, I went in no one's click. No. In, uh, you know, <clears throat> there initially. Later on, I got a lot of big friends around me because I was trusted. But Gareth Southgate was brilliant to me. When he came in, he wasn't a big name at the time. He signed from Crystal Palace. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, so used to go, he used to be brilliant with a lot of us. He used to go to him. Paul McGrath was the one there. Mm. Paul McGrath would, he didn't train a lot anyway, so he had all the time in the world. So he used to, <laughs> he'd sit there in the gym. We'd be doing a bit of gym work and he'd just go, how are you getting on today? And you could tell him anything. He had his own problems in life going on. He did. You know, and another story, I remember the manager saying to me, Guy, um, Brian Little said to me, I went, so my job was the second year, as I said to you, to do his boots and the staff's boots. And he said, I've got a job for you today, son, you're not training. And he says, uh, Paul McGrath's in there, he's not training today. And I think he's had a drink. And I need you to make sure he's okay. And you sit with him in the first thing, dressing him, you don't leave him. And that was my job for the day. They, 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 were, they, were, they, they protected him. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Jeez. But yeah, brilliant so, times. Yeah, brilliant times. So, how come it never worked out at the Villa? Just, it's just, it's just, it's too hard to get to that next level, that next position, was it? Yeah, I mean, because I'd love to go back now. There's sometimes you know you say, "Would you live your life again?" Would you? I'd love to go back now because what I know, oh my god, mm. um, I tried too hard. Okay, I tried too hard. I wanted to win everything, and if I just had a little bit of patience to. Go and work at the technical side. I know I would have been very good. Okay. Um, but I just was so eager to, you know, and I was getting to the ball too fast. I was winning. Oh, it's all about winning tackles, winning headers. And, and those people there, like Gareth Barry, the ball of country, and you just go touch, bust, bang. Mm. And they were already playing like a 25-year-old. So, and I just put that down to, I came into the game at like 13 years old. And I just, I played like I was an athlete. Mm. So that's probably why it didn't work, but it, it, it stood me in good stead for my non-league career because I used that as my driver. You know, you won't, I'll be more powerful than you. I'll, you know, I'll want to win. I was probably, the way I went for games, you know, I wanted to win everything. Ideal for non-league. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ideal for non-league. You, you've put down an important piece of information here that's quite interesting, ain't you, Cookie? So you, put the, you, you found something from when Guy was at Villa. Yeah. And it said uh, a proposed transfer to Northampton Town was cancelled 
when you sustained a knee injury that kept you out for three years? No. So Is the, that not th- right? the story's no. got the, the half right. The story gets. I don't know how these stories get changed for doing <laughs> really? a bit. So I was going to Northampton. It was, it was a done deal. It was a 12-month contract, and they loved me. It was Ian Atkins. He loved me. And uh, they had quite a young team. And um, I went there, and my first week of pre-season, I broke down. And I, was, I hadn't signed my deal. Oh, okay. And he talked about being nice. You just trust people. Yeah. And he said, well, what we're going to do, we'll pay your expenses at the moment. We'll cover it all. But the doc says, you know, until your knee's right, we can't. I went, what? So I had six months of training there, trying to get this knee right, and then the op. I needed an op, and I tore my patella tendon in my knee. Ah, nasty, And yeah. they went, well, we're not paying for it. No, I was like, what? Because you hadn't signed the contract. Yeah. You? And I was, I, I was, poor devo. Yeah. Because it was done. Mm. Um, I didn't have agents. I did it all myself. Mm. So then I contacted the PFA. They sorted the operation out. I was out for six months. The whole year was done. Lost that year. And that's, so that was the bit there. So that's when I'm like, wait there, I've got, I've got no club here. Where am I going now? Because I, I thought it was going to Northampton to start playing sort of like League One football. And then uh, Dean Thomas. Yeah, that's when, that's, it, yeah. that's, <clears throat> that's when you moved to Hinkley United. That's when the non-league yep. journey started. That's 1999, yeah. 2000. So you, is that, so that's all how that, how did that come about then? Did you have, why Hinkley? Why does it? I think it's the same now. Some things haven't changed. So my brother was playing football at Hinkley. Okay. Uh, as a young kid, he was 16 and he was doing all right. And Dean was like, he's cheap. He's on the bench. He's a bit, he bashes people up. We'll have him. And Dean just said, uh, I heard your brother's not got a club. Get him down. Yeah. Simple as that. Really? So I went down with Dean and Dean, they were flying at the time. Hinkley were a, they were the money boys. They were spending money. They had, the, you know, the, the good crowds. Mm. Um, Nuneaton were obviously their rivals, but your your bed was for the lower leagues. Um, there weren't a Barwell really around no. then. Mm. Atherston, can't remember. I think Atherston were probably competitive back then, but Inkley were probably. Well, that's probably when when they maybe club. sort of not in their not in their prime. Maybe in their boys their prime. Yeah, they weren't far. Well, they were their Conference North playoffs was the prime, yeah. so they were. So I went there and they were in the old Southern League, which is now, it all got changed, which would be now the Southern Prem. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they didn't have a Southern Prem. So you went for the Southern League, uh, sorry, you went Southern League, Southern Prem Conference. Right. You didn't have a Conference South. Mm. So we were in the old Southern League, which is the Southern Prem today. So step three. Yeah. D- mm. Did you not have any thoughts in your head though, Guy, when you've just been released by Villa, you had Northampton knocking on the door. Yeah. Is that not like... Well, this is a bit of a fucking drop. Do you know what I, I mean? It tortured me. So I, that's the bit I understand with these lads. They come out of the game. And money was different. You know, I was getting in my pro contract at Villa. I was getting like 400 quid. These lads are getting two grand. Yeah. You yeah. know, so they don't want to come and play for 200 quid or 300 quid now. I went to Hinkley and I played for 150 quid. So from my 400 quid, 250 quid, it was like, it wasn't too bad. You was, know, was, it, was it back there that, not that levels didn't matter, but... Yeah, levels didn't matter as I much. No as choice. More, it was more just you had no yeah. choice. It was the option yeah. on the table, and you wanted to play. Well, simple as there was a bit of a, a bargaining tool. And Dean's a good guy, and he's only good manager. You know, if anyone was listening, about, about being a manager, it's not just about what you do on that field. Yeah, it's about how you negotiate getting players in and getting players out. And he went, "You want a scan on your knee? You want rehabilitation on your knee? I've got a girl here, Julie. 
Uh, Julie does Leicester Tigers. She's our physio. She's top draw. And I went, okay. So I went in for a couple of weeks just for treatment. And she got me right. Mm. She got me I right. I think I know who you mean, because I think I've done a course with her. She's brilliant. Yeah, I think she did my taping and strapping course at mm. Loughborough. Taping and strapping yeah. course. Oh, strapping. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, oh, Julie. Yeah. And that part of I think Dean was, um, was whispering in Julie's ear to say, get him fit. Yeah. I've got another player. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Job done. Yeah. Mm. So, going on to that then, did how was your relationship with Dean? Dean was over, brilliant, over mate. Yeah. Dean was brilliant. And that dressing room was outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. So, I walked into that dressing room. Jamie Williams... You know, we're going back a bit now, but yeah. Jamie was an excellent right, a left back, superb. I've got his son down here now, Charlie. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jamie, no, no, Jamie Williams. Jamie Williams has got a daughter, so I don't think he's got a son. Oh, I might be thinking. Left the back, one. play for Dunedin as well. Yeah. Oh, I've got the wrong one. My bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Jamie, Jamie Lenton, Richard Lavery, Andy Penny, uh, Morton Titterton was our captain. What a man! Mm. And then you had Andy Lucas up front. Um, Dave Sadler, and you had, his name's going to come to me in a Gaz Ricketts. Yeah. Wow. That, and yeah. we're talking, <clears throat> these were men. These were good players. And uh, they all, they were mates. And mm. I, was, I was probably the youngest out of all of them. And we, uh, we all jailed like big time. We were all winners. And um, that was a fantastic time. So we, uh, we did well as well. We were successful. We, we've come across that on every single podcast, don't we? That word... Or that sentence, the changing room are all mates. Yeah, definitely. It's so important, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And, we, and what that does, we're all different characters. So Richard Lavery is an absolute headbanger. Yeah. Um, I love that side of him. So I was a bit of a headbanger. Jamie Lenton was just the biggest joker in the world. He'd shave his pubes off, put it in your pocket. He did not give a <laughs> shit. He was class. You know, he, people going about, oh, you know, you, you get your toothbrush shove up your ass and then, you know, you make someone brush it. He would shove your toothbrush up his ass. He was class. Um, Morton Titterton, he used to call us his babies. All right. So you'll hear me use it a lot now. If you remember the side or anything that, you know, I say to them, my babies, yeah. that comes from. Morton Titterton. Is it? Okay. So Morton Titterton, um, we were his babbies. Yeah. And he used to be on the pitch going, come on me babbies. And that's what he used to shout. Really? Go on me babby. And we loved it. That's but, where that comes from then. Because yeah. I've heard you say that loads. Loads. So there's me, Jamie, and we were a clear. And if, you know, it's just stupid things. So I remember going to have a Waterloo and uh, we're playing and Lens just went, Jamie Letton, who's now assistant at Bedford, went, right. So the old days, you used to, Take like two balls. That's all you'd take. And then the away team would supply your balls for the warm-up. Okay. And they gave us the shittiest balls. And Lentz went, there's a canal over there. We fuck them all in the canal. And then went, so he just fucked them all in the canal. And went, we've got no balls to warm up with. <laughs> so we had these two balls. You know, just two balls to warm up with. The goalkeeper had one. We had one ball. So Lentz went, I'm going to right piss them off now. So we were, um, we got battered 5-1. And he says, I'm going to piss him off. He says, every time they throw a ball, he says, if we get it, give it to me and I'm just going to whack it out of play. I'm just going to kick it in the canal. <laughs> every oh time God. the ball went to us, we passed it to Lentz and he just booted his train to the canal <laughs> to a point where there was like five minutes left and their manager's gone, we got no balls left. <laughs> oh my God. So, but that were the stupid things. That, and we did a lot of these, we did a lot of these stupid things. That just built the character in us. Mm. But when, on the flip side, when... When we went to out to win games, and we did well, we got promoted there. We were league champions. Mm. Uh, 
that second year, we um, yeah, people went in for tackles. Four people went flying in after him. Mm. Went up for headers. You know, people got round. You know, it went off a melee. Went off in the corner. You know, we were all there, mm. and that was really the sort of installed in me that. I've got a team around me that, you know, when I said to you at the start, I want to win, I want to win, I want to win. I was around people that wanted to win as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It makes a massive difference, I think, doesn't it? Mm. If you have people around you that want to win, it's, it's half the battle sometimes, isn't it? Yep. It's half the battle. Um, you have a couple of loans, well, not a couple, but you had a loan at Eversham while you were at Hinkley. Yeah, you? so what, Is I that, was doing, we were doing really well. We'd had a wonderful time of winning the league. Uh, I still think it's a record. 102 goals for, and all three strikers scored 30 goals in the league each. <laughs> and we got second round of the FA Cup, Cheltenham. Um, still got that shirt somewhere at home. I was sitting oh, yeah. through the day, yeah. And then I might donate that to Hinkley, actually. And then they, bang, I was, it was a big year for me, so I was like turning 22. Mm. And Dean said to me, I think we might make you centre half, because I was playing holding midfield then. Um, like, like, like the aggression, like the strength. And a couple of people moved on. Richard Laffrey had been sold, I think, to Nuneaton and Jamie Lennon to Nuneaton and Morton retired. And I was sort of the next one stepping up. And then bang, a few games in, I went for a header. Welling, we played. And this geezer was fucking massive. And I went for this header and he just chopped me straight in the throat. And uh, my legs went flying underneath me, came down, landed on my cockpit and I uh, broke my back. That's unbelievable, that is, isn't it? Mm. That's, mate, I reckon that you could try and do that a hundred times over and you wouldn't be able to do it. No, no. Do you know what I mean? Breaking your coccyx and it's one of the most painful things ever as well, it? Right oh, at the yeah. bottom of your back. I mean, I've stunned mine before and it fucking kills. Do you know what I mean? How, so did, I was you, how did you manage with it, guys? So I, did, oh, I was in agony. Did you and know I, straight away? I knew, I knew some wrong straight away. Yeah. And I was so angry. They were like, you know, I would get something, you know, I got up on my feet. What? And I, was, I know, but it was, yeah, but it was just like bent over yeah. on my feet. And I think the adrenaline for like 15 course, minutes. Yeah. And I just got, didn't shower. And they said, people like, I'll take to hospital, blah, blah, blah. I'll go myself. I was in the car and then five minutes in the car, I just locked up. I was, yeah. I, I was, and then I rang girlfriend at the time. I can't move here. And um, went to the hospital. And then confirmed anything then. They just said, it's badly bruised or anything else. And I uh, went home, got picked up, went home, lay on my back. And then I got FA paid for a private scan really quick. And I'd got a fine crack in, like, the, like you said, the lumbar. And L3 and L4 completely popped out my discs. Wow. So Did that put you out for a while? I was 12, 12 just over 12 months. Yeah. And that's what then, that was my big driver then. That was like, so they said, guy, you know, they were my friends, Inclade, there's my mates, I missed it all. Uh, you're going to have to consider what sport and things like you yeah, do again. Or that. I yeah. says, no, no way. This is something, I, you know, it's not more than just kicking the ball around. This is like something I love. We were winning things. Everything slotted together. So I said, I'm playing football again. So I went off on my own secretly um, when I had the op. I went off on my own. That's when I first found the gym. Mm. started to do push-ups started to do sit-ups I went back to Villa and asked if they could help me and uh, Jim Walker just said you've got to build your core son you've got to build your core and since that day I've done abs every day <laughs> and I just did, worked it and worked it and worked it and I just remember getting a phone call from Bedworth just saying 
I've heard you've been kicking the ball about. Would you fancy a couple of games? I went, yeah. And that was it. Played a couple there. Played a couple at Solihull. Played a few at Evesham. And then after six months, I went, I'm, I'm back. And I was actually felt I'm back better than I ever was. I was in such good nick. Yeah. You know, you've had Peps on. Peps has been through it, you know. Yeah. Um, Stenson as well, because he mentioned Stenson. the same when he was at Leicester Road and Neil Lines. Neil Lines, he was saying that when he, he did his um, hip, I think it was. And he went to the hospital, there's, oh, there's no operation for this, can't do that. And then Neil Lines like, no, if there's something you've got to do. If this was a Man United player, you'll have an operation like that. And they come back into the room like, oh, yeah, we can do something now. Yep. Top of and his femur, like, weren't it? Top of his femur. Was... You know, he's got someone who wants to, who could make a career out of football and this, mm. that, this, that. And it's, it's... I was, it's just, I'm just, I just went, that's it. That is it. I, I'm going to come, I'm going to come back. So someone's got to physically tell me I'm putting my life at risk. I am coming back. And I learned to know my body. Yeah, yeah. I learned to know my body in and out. And then I got a phone call. I was playing at Evesham, doing really well. And this, I remember this lad going to me, like Brian Robson, you're flying these tackles. And then I said, I know. And I said, I, only, I bust my back to but I didn't feel nothing. No really? pain, nothing. And I got a phone call from Brackley and said, come and play for us. Mm. And I just went, I want to win again. Mm. So you, you spoke a little bit about Solihull as well. Mm. How, how long were you there? And how, I was how there was for that? about three months. They were in a relegation battle and... It, I was doing okay. Um, what was step it? was it, Guy? Can you remember? Step three. Were they Solly all then as well? Solly all, yeah. Just the, it's when Solly all Moors and... And Moor Green, were yeah. it? Yeah. So that's what it was. But I... It, them boys, were, they were going down and they probably found me quite aggressive in that dressing because I wanted to win everything, do everything. It didn't work because they were all bothered about... Um, they played nice football and they, they did... You know, they were, they were pretty boys but they weren't... None of them. Do you know what? I don't even talk to one of them playing no. there until to this day. So mm. I went to Evesham. Did well. Dave Boost was the manager of Evesham. Oh, okay. really? Boosty was brilliant. Boosty's got... So you know when Boosty had that nasty thing? Injury, yeah. He's literally got... I don't know if it's left leg or his right leg. He's mm. got just a shin. That's all he's got. No calf, just a shin. Really? And he still plays. And he's flying into tackles and everything. And he loved me for all that. You know? Yeah. And uh, Dave was brilliant. Dave kept it very simple. He had a good team. And he, Dave kept it very simple. You know, squeeze up the pitch, condense play, win your battles, um, play in the last third, uh, impose yourself on teams, and he got a team of winners around him. Yeah. Probably mature age, 25 upwards, everybody. And I did well, I did probably 15 games, and that was it. Bang, go to Brackley. And that yeah. was enough for Brackley to go, come yep. and join us, and was there no hesitation there to go, I'm going... No, and I didn't even think, like, oh, wait, this is actually an hour and 10 minutes. I, I, <laughs> think, I just went, that, that, I just got told, we're, you know, we, we've got a good fund, uh, funder here, but we're going to have a go for it. And Because um, they would have been good level as well, wouldn't they? They were step four. Oh, well, okay. But they were throwing money around yeah. back then. Like mm. nine, uh, so we're talking 2003, four. Yeah. But they were throwing good money around. Mm. And it was win at all costs. Yeah. Good, good. Did you enjoy your time at Brackley? So Brackley was brilliant. Yeah. So I'd already had a taste of winning the league at Inkley. And I, was, I said, well, this is the norm. So I was at Aston Villa, won the league both seasons. Um, good good runs in the FA Cup. Came out, first non-league club, won the league. Yeah. Good FA Cup run. I thought, well, I went to Solihull. I went, well, this is shite. <laughs> I am not going to be in a relegation battle. That's not being big, I ain't doing it. Mm. No, yeah, yeah. And um, went to Eversham. They all of a sudden were like mid-table 
And I've, and I've got the phone call to say, do you want to come? Yeah, we're, we're looking to like win set four. That's it. I went, that's it, done. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, Brackley was good. Because you actually did win the league with Brackley. Won the league with Brackley in the second year. 6 weren't it? 6 oh, 7 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it, done my research. I think you win the league with Brackley. Brilliant yeah. team. Getting them in step three. What a team. So we had, come on, James, um, Robbie Beard. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Robbie Beard, striker, local lad. Yeah. Horrible bastard. <laughs> two foot, yeah, two foot his granny. <laughs> he would. He'd two foot his granny and steal the sugar out of a blind man's tea. <laughs> he is a nightmare. But he was brilliant for us. Yeah. And he was clever with it. And then Scott, we called, we called us the Basher Brothers. Mm. Here you go, the Basher Brothers. So I went back into midfield. So me and Scott were there. You probably play. Yeah, Scott okay. was at Brackley. Scott, Brackley Scott was a goal scorer. It was 10. Was he? He's rubbish 10. <laughs> but he could just go, he'd had a ball. He'd had it if it was rolling on the ground. Yeah. So me and him played in there. Matt Murphy up front, superb footballer. Matt Murphy played for, went to Corby, but was sold. I think I sold to Notts County and then came back to Brackley. Uh, I went to Ruston Diamonds, place there. Tommy Winters was there. And, um, oh, Lee Tomlin. No, Lee Tomlin. Yeah. Lee Tomlin. He was striker. Really? Yeah. Lee Tomlin. Wow. So, and then, and then two lads at the back, uh, Andy Brown and Andy, oh, I've got his second name now, come to me. Uh, Jamie Williams was left back. Bang, we absolutely romped the league. I think we won by something like 20 points. Was it, even though like you were backed Brackley were backs as well with money there as well but was it also the character and the dressing room was also brilliant to be able to do it yeah unbelievable so the manager so I had three different managers and it was three very different experiences so when I first signed I had Phil Lyons yeah Phil Lyons and Phil left very quickly Um, and then I had another manager come in Um, he was only there for a brief spell me and him hated each other yeah. I was too mouthy. I wanted to say um, things in the dressing room, and and then Roger Ashby came in, mm. yeah. who was yeah. an eating manager, yeah, yeah. and he just went to me, "Do you talking on the pitch? Go and do what you're good at. Go and upset play." I hit my first game for him. I got sent off within I think, three <laughs> minutes. I've only been sent off um, once in my career. Are you joking? No, red red card. I've had two yellows, yeah. so I got done for an eating. Two yellows. And I got sent off with one red card. A straight red. I was so unhappy from the manager before. And it's pathetic, this is. But the manager before pissed me off that much. And this guy's turned around and gone, Roger's gone, get in there and show. Because the board didn't like me either then. Oh, yeah. So um, I did. Fucking three minutes, bang, straight at the top of the ball. Sent this lad, uh, straight through this lad, got sent off. And he just went into the dressing room afterwards. It was the first time I'd ever been properly backed. He went, see him there. That's what I want. Okay, and he just got me afterwards and went, "You better not do that fucking again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You fucking let me down." And then he put me back in after my three games match. Maybe captain, and he backed me. And then we uh, we'd won the league, we had a good FA Cup run, and then we got promoted to the Southern Prem. Yeah, so we we got then playoffs yeah. then second year. So would you would you say when when in your career would you say you're a big character because you are you're, you're a big character mm. in dressing room. You, you, you are loud. You get people going. You yeah. you like to have a laugh and things like that. So when did when did that click in your career? Of I want to yeah I want to be. You know. So it was Hinkley was definite. Hinkley was that was it. We're, we're, there was way too many leaders. 
There's so many. I mean, every single training session was, there was something hilarious that happened. Mm. And that was where it all happened. But I wasn't the leader. I remember going out to Leamington, me, Jamie Lenton, Richard Lavery, um, Steve Coach, Charlie Palmer, all of the boys, all going out. And the whole night was, when you turn your back, you just, just fuck the drink over someone's back. What <laughs> <laughs> the? I know. And then we went on the way home, like Labs went, how many, how many plants do you reckon we can rip out on the way home? I'm like, well, what are you about? He said, come on, we'll just take, a, we'll take as many plants as we can. <laughs> Leamington is just one, like, town of the year, like, floristry <laughs> year, whatever. We're ripping all these plants. Bad, weren't we? Naughty lads. <laughs> but we thought it was hilarious. Yeah. That's proper old school. I love that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And That's then we got, the term, we're going down the street, and then this geezer's coming after us, in a, you know the little street sweepers? Yeah. Yeah, so he's coming after us, little single man street sweeper. Jamie Lennon's just fucked him straight out of it and jumped in it and gone <laughs> off on the road. I know. Mate, we did just non-stop. Oh it's like presentation night. So we've got presentation night. So Kev Downs were at the, um, he owned the Sketchy Grange then. Oh, okay. So we had a big dude there and everything yeah. else. So we've gone, um, up we go for um, the awards and all that. So we've got the awards and blah, blah, blah. And a part of it was um, play of the season. Yeah. Um, now, something was going on in the background that I now I found out later. So it was, um, Jamie Lenton's got play of the season. Mm. And this geezer's come up with, um, he says, and Jamie, part of that is um, we have got for you a week away to, I think it was like Mallorca, for you and whoever you want to take. And his girlfriend's in front of him. And he went, I'm going to take Guy Adland. <laughs> and I run onto the stage. Yeah! And we're rolling around. Everyone's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone just starts laughing. And then I look at the piece of paper Jamie's got, and he's just got, got you. Uh, I went, what? Oh, it's just a fake, just to get me up onto the stage. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was brilliant, mate. Just, that was all it was. It was constant. So that was where it was, Hinkley. Yeah, yeah. And I took that through to every club. But really, then I came into my own at Nanita. Yeah, well, that, that's our next point. So you spent three years at Brackley. Three years at Brackley. I think I played ninety nine games for Brackley. Oh. I think I played ninety nine games for Hinkley. I do, and uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't do ninety nine games for Nanita. <laughs> I think I, think I did about one hundred and fifty. I think it's only fair that. Hinkley, well, Hinkley's not around anymore, but Brackley should get you back to get your 100 appearance. Mate, 100, mate that killed <laughs> me, that was 99 appearance. I didn't know. Oh, did you not? No, I didn't know. Yeah. Season had finished as well. <sighs> so, so how did the Neaton come about then, Guy? Was it town or borough at the time? Uh, it was just reformed town because they had lost the playoff final okay. and bankrupt that year. Step two. So they were on the verge of going into the conference. Yeah. yeah. Bank, bankrupt, step mm. four. So, yeah, there. And it came about because Roger Ashby was the manager at Nuneaton and Kev, um, Wilkin. Wilkin, sorry, was his assistant. Okay. And Kev's gone, I've got lads here that are Conference North, £500, £600, probably more, £700, £800 a week, going to the conference. They've all disappeared. I need to start something at step four. What do I do? And he went, well, guys, get hold of Guy, Roger said. I don't know if they'll come to step four. 
He's just won the league with Brackley and he's on he's on good money, he's enjoying it there. But he lives in, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kev ran me up and says, Kev's the worst negotiator in the world. He's shite. I have no clue how <laughs> Kev, as I love the man to bits, how the fuck he has done what he's done. But he just goes, you want to sign? Yeah, all right. And that was it. Didn't even talk about money. I rang him two weeks later and he'll go to me, oh, no, it wasn't like that guy. It was a lot more professional. I rang him two weeks later and said, by the way, what am I on? And he went, what are you on now? And I says, oh, I went like 300 quid. He went, all right. So I turned up after, <laughs> got first month's wages. I went, well, I come out and get you 200. He said, I thought he said 200. I said, you are shy. <laughs> <laughs> you are shy. He's brilliant. Loads of these, but yeah, that was it, Roger. Wasn't it in like... Um... Was it a bit of an easy decision as well because it was your hometown club? That was the only reason. So all every all the, all the other times I wanted to win stuff, end of story, I'm going to places, win stuff, and I want people around me who are going to win. Yeah. And this was, I was the first player to sign for the town. Okay. No one else to sign. Darren Acton was the, a noonie, had been retained. Yeah. Mark Noon. And then Neil Moore had been retained. And that was it. And I was like, I was the fourth player, so we knew we didn't know what was going on. Okay. So oh. yeah, I I just went. It's my hometown. I remember the borough from when they were like playing Swansea's mm. and yeah. all that. And then the bit that stuck, you know, it was only a couple of years for but Middlesbrough I went. God, come on, we <laughs> can do that again, can't we? Mm. And I just remember like the borough being a thousand gate, a thousand gate. Yeah. So I went. I'll have a piece of that. Did it? Didn't it? Did it not hit your mind at all, guy? That that club had just come from liquidation. Did yeah, it, it had. I, I just I knew. Kev just said to me, uh, the, mo- the money's fine. Right. And I'm, I trust people on face value. He said, the money's fine. Ian Neal's coming and he's, he'll be bankrolled. Mm. And it was. So, yeah, I was fine with that. And that was then a challenge to me. Right, here we go. And I just said to Kev, I ain't coming here to do fuck all. We're, we're, we're winning bits. He went, well, we have to, guy. Yeah. We're in an Borough. We have to. You don't understand the expectations of this town. I said, well, there was a fat. And he went, right, when you're on that pitch, it's completely different. Mm. Wow, is it completely different? Yeah. Were you captain of Neaton at any point? I do. I had games where I was captain, but Mark yeah. Noon was the captain. Mark, yeah. Yeah. When what? Mark got injured, you know, it was me, Gaz. Yeah. I just want to touch on the captain's stuff because you were going forward a bit as well. You were captain at Barwell as well, weren't you, a few times? Yeah. yeah. Richard Lavery was there. Yeah. So being a captain, mm. how much of a privilege, honour, how proud are you? And what does that mean being a captain at a club? Um, I mean, I, I, I always thought before. that I should have been captain more than not, but I ran into some fantastic captains. Mm. Uh, but I was privileged to probably cap- I captain of Brackley, but only a short spell. Captain of uh, I, you know, every club put my armband on me in spells. Some stage. But I was never a three, four year spell at a club, a captain. Yeah. And it's something, the only thing I never did, it never bothered me. But no. it is something when you, you know, if you ever get to do it, do you ever do it, Andy? I've never done it. No. <laughs> yeah, I've been a captain, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's that signature bit of, right, I've been given responsibility. Mm. So, because I got that from a young, and I, the villain got the captaincy and things like that as well. So, <clears throat> I I remember someone saying to me, it's, it's an old cliche in here, everyone's captain out there, you don't need to wear the armband, yeah. you know, all that bullshit. Yeah. I literally took that on board. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to play, I'm your captain. And mm. I played like a captain every game. Yeah. But it is... Because I think, you know, if you're going out, the shirt's the bit for me. You put that shirt on, you play with that shirt. Because I'm, you know, that, these people do pay money yeah. mm. to watch you. 
It's a big thing still today for me. Mm. You'll see me at the borough and you'll see me. I'll shake as many people's hands as I can. Yeah. And I know I'm respected for that. I know that every club I go to, I may go up my way to say, how are you doing? Mm. Paying the 10s, 12, 14, 15 quid, there's one a little bit of appreciation back and genuine appreciation. And I've always done that every club. And everywhere I go, I go back to practice, go everywhere, and I get arms around me. Yeah, mm. that's brilliant. That is. I, think that, I think a lot of people if players listen to this, I think they should take that on board 100% in terms of if you wear the shirt, do it with honour and pride sort it's, of it's, thing, it's, isn't it's, it? It's a value of life though. Yeah. You know, where you, you don't build your, you don't burn your bridges in your work, you don't build your bridge, burn your bridges in your, your football, uh, your family, mm. you do it properly, at some point it comes at different times with people, you get that respect back. Yeah. Mm. I will say though, there is different types of captains. So sometimes you have people that are very vocal and I think that there's this stereotype of where a captain should be loud all of the time, screaming mm. information on the pitch. Some of the best captains I've played for or that I've seen are the ones that just lead by example. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That uh, Still give information. Best trainers, things yeah. like that. So Mark yeah. Noon, he was never, he's not a captain in anyone's eyes on that field. But he played on that pitch as if he was a leader. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in training, he did everything absolutely spot on. Mm. He's a brilliant trainer. I was, I was, I was trained hard, but you'll be amazed at how many people don't train hard. Mm. Yeah, just going um, <clears throat> back to Nuneaton, but who was your uh, joker partner? Because I've heard a story of. Uh, oh, mate, Jimmy said loads, didn't he? We've had um, um, with uh, Gavin Cowan. Gav Cowan. No, Gav, not Gav. Gav Cowan. Gav did bits with. Uh, Gav took my. So when I left Nuneaton, he took my shirt. Right, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he wasn't there at that point. So no. he missed all the time. So it was, so, so I was, it was me and Gaz were together. Yeah. So the, the jokers were, so it really, so I suppose if we went back to like how it all, like how that, so there's been a lot said about the and why we did so well. And yeah, it, that dressing room was, whenever the boys you have in, that dressing room, apart from the ability aside, and they were good players, they were serious, serious togetherness. That was getting pissed together. Yeah. That was fighting together. Mm. That was arguing, fucking taking out with family members, going to each other's christenings, weddings, birthday parties, you name it, we fucking all did it. My missus always said to me, I suppose you're out with the boys. I suppose, oh, don't tell me. Someone's funeral this week. Oh, yeah, one of the footballers has died. He hadn't fucking died. We're just going out with him. We <laughs> <laughs> had an invisible friend called Bobby. Mm. Oh, she'll kill me if she finds out. With an invisible friend called Bobby. Going out, <laughs> out for Bobby's birthday. <laughs> Bobby's got a new dog. We're going to go and see him. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, that. Uh, but those boys, Carl Storer. Yeah. Um, so we had the, the the boys that were absolutely at the front of the pack. So we had Carl Storer, Mark Noon, me, um, Chris Dillon, Lee Moore, um, Rob Oddy. They um, they were right at the front of the pack, and then we just had our boys behind us. Yeah. If we told them to do something, they would fucking do it. So Gaz the spotty little bastard and then you had Jimmy. Jimmy he was another spotty little bastard he turned around and said <laughs> he, he went, said the other week I didn't even have spots he had loads of spots <laughs> I used to say to him all the time get it over here spotty little bastard three of them had turned around <laughs> <laughs> and then you had so uh, there was them two there was Eddie Nisovich yeah. Yeah. Um, as well um, Lee Moore wasn't old you know mm. Lee Moore was young yeah because um, I was 28, 29. Yeah. These boys were, Kyle was only, I think Kyle was 21, mm, 22. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so then we had them boys that literally, if we said jump, they did it. They mm. just did it. We're out tonight and uh, you're not allowed home until you're wankered and you're sick. All right, that was it. Yeah. Would you say that Kev Wilkin fit the bill as the manager there then, guy? Was he a good person Class, to have mate. above you? So yeah. I tested it. First first away game, I tested it. So I was, a, I, I, you know, I was one of the most senior lads there. We'd got, so if you look back at the archives, first five games, I think we got battered. And Kev's under massive pressure. And Kev just went, listen, we're under pressure here. Budget's being reduced. He went, you are joking. He went, don't worry about your money, blah, blah, blah. But I'm bringing in Gazdine, Jimmy Armstrong, Eddie Nisovich, Levi Ramsey, um, and some of the young lads. And he went, I'll keep you like four or five of you. And he went, you're responsible for the back four. Nuno's responsible uh, for yeah. the middle of the park. And uh, up top, like Jess Murphy, you're responsible. And you better look after him. And we've got to go and win this league. Mm. And that was it. And uh, Ian Neal turned around and went, I, I'm fucking telling you, nothing comes out of this camp. We, 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 we need to win this league. And we've got a few issues with young lads that better work. Ron Bradbury turned around to me and says, this lad, Gaz Dean, will do whatever you ask. And I went, okay. And I had one training session with him. And I just remember him doing cross and shooting and heading and heading and heading balls. His forehead was so red. And the Gaz had no technical ability at all, early days. And he just said to me, what we want to do, I'll do it. And I says, I'll talk to you all the way through the game. If I say get there, get there. Uh, if, I, if I look like I'm going to miss something, you make sure you cover around me. I'll be the lead. I'll go forward first. Mm. And if anything misses me, you cover my ass. Equally, same with you. And he just looked at me and says, no problem. And then that, that was it then. That was, that was the catalyst of me and him then starting getting clean sheets. Mm. And then some confidence started to come through. We couldn't score goals. And then Rob Foster came along. Yeah. We started banging the goals. But where I was going back to, like flipping them, um, flapping around, first away game, I said, oh, we've got to get someone going here. So we had a light night out. And uh, Crocs had just come out. And Kev, I couldn't work Kev out whether Kev had got banned or no banned. Well, we had to find out. He's got these Crocs. He was telling the left, like my Crocs. My daughter bought these Crocs, like my Crocs. And I think we'd lost the game anyway. We'd come in. We'd come back in. And the end of his crocs had just cut off, just cut them off. And he went, who the fuck's cut my crocs? And I went, oh, I am. He said, it ain't fucking funny. And everyone else is laughing. <laughs> so we went on a night out and um, and that was it then. We just throwing drinks at each other. And he didn't think it was funny. Throwing ice cubes at each other. And he's like, this ain't fucking funny, lads. And we're on balconies and he's down below us and like fucking pissing through the balcony on top of it. <laughs> this ain't funny. <laughs> but he bought into it. And he said... This dressing room is going to want to get us through, and it, and it, mm. it was. Well, well, that's our next point. I think it did two back-to-back promotions. Uh, how was that? <sighs> My football memories. I mean, I've got some unbelievable football memories from on and off the field, but it's something genuinely like it's very warming. I am um, that. That was the best promotion of any one of step four because we it was all going wrong, all absolutely going wrong. And we had to fight like mad. And then in the end, we come, Leamington won it that year. We were always behind them. Um, but um, the playoff route, if anyone's ever been, and then an Eton Borough, I think it was 4,300 in the playoff final. Mm. And Chase Town, 1 0. The video now, if you've seen it on YouTube, it's brilliant. Um, and the fan, the, all of a sudden, the fans were galvanised. And I went out, I never forget that night, I went out. And they went, it's Borough Guy. Borough Guy, Borough Guy, Borough Guy, Borough Guy. They still call me Borough Guy now. Borough mm. number five. And that, I reckon, threw about 
three months, my missus got watched. She stopped going to the games in the end. I fucking had nothing to borrow. <laughs> People come up to me, you, I, love your, I love your fella, love your fella. She hates football. And I'm going to the arms, I didn't buy a drink for three months. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was brilliant. But we were getting a thousand. We, we averaged, I think it was 1,100 or 1,000 every single game. Mm. Fantastic, that first year. And then the second year, bang, done again. Yeah, yeah. Promotion yeah. straight back. And there ain't many that have done that. Step four, step three, bang, straight up to straight, straight up to step two. That's that second year, back to back promotions, playoffs again. Um, Chippenham. And then um, the team had stayed together. You know, and I remember Ron Bradbury saying, Oh, you can't do all that again. I says, you know, you need new players. And well, we, we stuck together. We brought Kyle in. Kyle's gone, brought Castillon in. Back forward stayed exactly the same. And then um Went into the Conference North, first into the Conference North, did really well, got to the playoffs, lost to Telford. Mm. We were disappointed. It's the only time really we were in the playoffs we were disappointed. And then the, set, the fourth year, um, all the way through, and then we were 24 points behind, I believe. We were in a 14-game winning streak. Mm. We clawed it all back. And then the last game... It was coming up, it was Blythe, already cemented ourselves in the playoff final. And, uh, playoffs, sorry. And um, we got uh, six points deduction. And we're four. outside the playoffs. What for? Signing an illegal player. I think, it was, I think it was Simon Forsdick had come from Telford and, and they hadn't done the paperwork properly. Something oh. happened. So, I can't remember all the ins and outs of it. Six points. And we had to go to Blythe away and get, I think it was one point to get in. But mm. what the hell, that was squeaky bum time. And we won 3-2. Happy days. And then beat Geisley, beat Gainsborough, and promoted to the conference. Mm. Unbelievable. In, in this journey that you've been on so far, Guy, well, that you, that you had been on, sorry, jumping from like step three, then step four, then, you know, you played at step two as well. Did you see a big difference in the standard, like when you were, you know, yo-yoing up and down? Um, I was always at the top of the leagues. Mm. So when you're in a team that's at the top of the league, you fancy yourselves into the leagues above, don't you? Mm. you know, so the competitive side and the team was in. So when we had good FA Cup journeys, I think in my whole career, I think I've done first round near on like seven times and second round. Mm. So we were, we, I was in good teams. But when you... When we got played to the Conference North, certainly the North was very physical. Every, everyone says that, don't they? Yeah. Very yeah. physical. But because of the type of team we were, me, Gazdeen and Carla, we adapted to that very Absolutely, well. Yeah. And we could play. Um, and that togetherness. But we had to have that togetherness. Because those Northern boys, they're, they're together. Yeah. yeah. They're together. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Okay, when anyone says the Northern side is always tougher than the Southern side. You know, some of the teams get beat up before they've even got on the pitch, mate. Mm. They do. So, yeah, physicalness. And look at it now. I mean, that conference north and south, I, I don't know how many there are, but I've probably got 30% of them are full-time now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, more and more teams are coming full-time, aren't they, Absolutely. in those conference north So there's and a bit, south. there is a difference. And that was probably why I still haven't, I still fully don't understand the decision why, because they, they offered me to stay to play in the conference. And I was 33. But again, I th- it was me and Gaz every year got to play of the years. Um, I was playing well and I was fit as fit as a fiddle. Mm. And uh, I just said, 
I don't think it's for me now. I've gone yeah. out. I want to go on a high. And a little bit of me is like, come on, Luton, Grimsby. Mm. Come on here. These are monster games. You can have 4,000 every game at Nuneaton. And then I went... But whatever I whatever I do from this point now, you know, I've done the best I can for Nuneaton. Mm. I'm not going to get promoted out the conference with Nuneaton. I just that's not going to happen. I'm 33. Um, I think it's time. Mm. Mm. Who who would you say, guy, in them two pivotal years when you got them two promotions? If you were to give me a couple of names of key players that you felt could turn the game on a sixpence and stuff like that, who would you say? Um, when Wes York came in, he was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Wes was fantastic. Carl Storer, I'll probably say now, is the best non-league football that I played with. Mm. He was a he was a leader. He was a talent. I don't need, you know, well, that doesn't need any more encouragement, by the way, he doesn't. But yeah. he, is a, he is a seriously talented footballer. Uh, and he was back then at that point. Mm. Um, Carl Storer could turn the game. Bad and good. Yeah. <laughs> he, he loved the red. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, if you talk to any of the boys, we gave them the platform to win the game. Mm. Me and Gaz and Rob Odding and Neil Cartwright and Simon Forster, I haven't looked at it, but some bit of time with some things, I think for four years, we never, ever lost two games on the trot. For four years, we had something like 25% of the, of the games were clean sheets. Mm. Um, I know the Brackley have just been on an unbelievable run the other year they had something they only conceded like 22 yeah. goals all year yeah. I, I, my understanding is they broke our record mm. we only conceded like something like 28 goals all year mm. so no surprising Kev Wilkins team only needed to win 1-0 yeah yeah yeah. so you left you're leaving in Eton and you joined Barwell yeah Wow. Small little village club. Culture shock. Completely yeah. different. Didn't think about it at all. 33. Got a young daughter. I want to spend more time with her. That was another reason. Yeah. Conference, travelling here and everywhere. Scott goes to me, come and have some fun. And there's one <laughs> thing that I said, my brother Scott, I will finish playing football with him. Right. And I said, Jimmy, make it worth my while. And he did. He made, he made it worth my while. And... Richard Lavery ran me up. Mark Albrighton ran me up. Yeah. We're going to go as well. And uh, good players were, were there anyway. He'd got a few good lads. He said, we're going to go and win the league. He said, come on, let's go. And were you there then, Andy? Uh, I was there. I was, yeah. I was there when you were there anyway. Yeah, so the first And when season. Scott was there and stuff. I think I was there, yeah. So, so we had a brilliant year. Yeah. And... We were second to Leamington all year. And this is a village club that had only been promoted. Second to Leamington all year. And then we had, a, I think it was about five games that, at the end, out of eight games to go, we just lost. And then we got on the edge of the playoffs. We were seventh, sixth place. And uh, we needed, I think, two points to get in the playoffs. Mm. And we lost the last three games. Mm. And missed the playoffs by one point. Mm. I know. And that was me. That was me done. Then I was like, ah. So Martin Hare left, and Jimmy says, "There's a space. Want to be assistant manager?" Mm. Well, I was. I was going to ask you that. So Jimmy Ginelli was the one that brought you into Barwell as a player. Mm. As did you know Jimmy previous to that? Not really. No. Uh, apart from having a few beers with him, right? And him, him being a big Borough fan. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, no, he was good to Scott. Um, Jimmy was. Um, Scott loved playing with him. Scott said, the dressing room, you will love it. You've never seen a dressing room like it. And oh my God, them boys were together. Mm. That's what got them through. You know, one thing you say about Jimmy's dressing room is there's a serious together. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And um, yeah, it worked. Yeah. Very unconventional because I did it on the pitch. I was very professional off the field. We did some quirky things. Fuck me. Them boys did some strange stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we went there. And uh, me and Lavs gelled in, gelled in really well. Yeah, and Brights. Two senior players as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. You, you touched on obviously playing with your brother Scott. What's that like playing with uh, with your brother? Scott Or with a sibling, like, you know, what's that feeling? What's that What's that like sharing a picture of him and stuff? And, and You know, because not many people do it. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, Scott was, a, Scott was just a, an average footballer that was very, very, very competitive. And he's one of them. He, you know, if he was in that Nuneaton team when he was a kid, he would have been exactly the same as the rest of them. He'd say, go and jump over the wall. He'd jump over the wall. He was brilliant. But Scott was the captain. But Scott was the captain through pure um, aggression. I will go and be your basher. I will break things up, and the rest of you are better than me. Go and play. Mm. He was excellent at it. Yeah. And me and him were nights out. You know, it was only two years between us. I loved it. And that's when all these big trips started then, your Magaluf's. Yeah. You know, I've done Magaluf now for, I think I've missed one year in 20. Wow. I know. You can only go up that hill so many times. Yeah. Cardiac hill. Yeah. Oh, we've had so, I mean, going back to the people we had there, the stories, I mean. Yeah. So, but that was the big thing that started the band. There was, a, there was a lot of teams we had, you know, f- probably four or five different teams at Barwell because the, the transition of players and movement of players we had Danny Newton up front. Yeah, yeah. We had Aunt Carney up front. Yeah. We had um, Luke, Luke Barlow was up front. Um, Matty Stenson up front. Matty Stenson up front. And then we've had you know, people like Jack Edwards at the back. Uh, Is it Leamington now? Yeah, yeah. Jack Edwards. Oh, yeah, okay. um, Fran, Sino Francis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Deck Towers. Deck Towers. Castle, Liam Castle and Castle, there's, there's been a lot of players go through, Scotty Lowe, go through Barwell. Mm. I want to bigger and better things. But that, they all tell you, you do, you haven't done this show that's been at Barwell. Uh, that togetherness was was unbelievable. And those coach journeys back were literally carnage. Absolute, and we were carnage at Nuneaton. But, I mean, I was I used to get the mic at Nuneaton doing all sorts of stuff. And that's where the naked things come from and the backflips <laughs> backflips na- well naked was first yeah. <laughs> we used to so we used to do a song called like um, on the Empire Man you come from down my way what can you play yeah and then we go we do the instruments you normally do about four or five well I I've got a sound for about 25 instruments I went round the whole fucking <laughs> coach and then as we did at each instrument I said to everyone we had directors on the coach we had directors wives on the coach I says right uh, for every instrument we play we take another item of clothing off. <laughs> it's, it's like it nails me. She's taking it off. <laughs> she's taking it off. And we're going to the lads, come on, keep giving me more instruments. <laughs> she's only got her pants on. <laughs> so we're doing more. Cole Storer got naked on the first instrument. <laughs> oh, and this video, I mean, there's some videos flying. Ed and Isovic's a little shit. He's got all the videos. Oh, good match with Eddie. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we were, though. so it was naked all the time. Get naked. And then when you're naked, you can do silly things to people. But I remember Andy Brown like being absolutely like he was 
he was like naked, like being like, oh, I'll do anything you want. So his his party <laughs> trick was eating glass. He used to smash a glass on his head and then eat it. And we're like, oh, fucking, can you not do something a lot a bit more like this? <laughs> less dangerous. Yeah, less dangerous. So um they went, well, what would you want to do? I says, I bet you can't go in the overhead compartment. So you know where you put your bags. Yeah. But you can't go in there and slide all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> so he went, I can. I said, let me assist you. So you know the Vaseline tubs, the five minutes. Yeah. I got it. And I covered him from head to toe. <laughs> we shoved him in. We had kept ten of the coach driver to keep whacking the brakes. Like, he was going. Yeah. <laughs> he was so all oh, that. Did he do it though? Yeah, Brownie <laughs> did that. You know, Noon, he was naked. I mean, I'll get this is how good it was at Nani and I never went to bed, but talking about nights out now. Yeah. We went to work and turn away. So first of all, Kev's gone. We're doing overnight stop on a Friday, don't drink. So the first thing we've done is gone straight to the hotel and have a fucking drink. Yeah. He said, what do we do? Don't be late. So we went, okay, no problem. So I'll put a poker night on. We do a poker night on. There's a, there's a Jamaican wedding next door. I've got all this Jamaican food and Justin Mars went, there's a wedding in there. The food's class. Go. So we're in there. We end up, like me, Danny Alcock, Carl Storer, all of, we're dancing in this wedding and we've got to play Workington in the morning. Oh anyway, God. we were, we beat Workington and it was 1 0. And uh, my, I'll get on a phone call, like my missus going on the way back. You, you, um, what's happening tonight? And I said, Well, we've just won at Workington. We've had a load of beer. My, my car's at the ground. She went, Oh, you're not coming back then? I went, Well, to be honest, we're stuck in traffic. And Danny Alcock turned around and says, Because we met at the Holiday Inn, Junction 15, Stoke. So he went, was it 12, 15 or 12? Mm. Couple of he says, Danny says, stay at mine because you've had a drink, you're stupid. I went, oh, you know what I mean, love? She said, what clothes you got? And I went, lads, what clothes we got? And uh, Danny went, oh, I know what we can do, we can go to Tesco's. So that was it. Like four of us have decided, one of the best nights I've ever had, said, we're going out. So Danny Alcott says, well, we, we got, we've got to get put some clothes on. We can't go out and eat in borough tracksuits. We'll get fucking knocked out. So um, he says, all right then. So Nooney went, why don't we do it for a tenner? He says, you can't spend more than £10. So we went okay. to 24-hour Tesco's. We bought white T-shirts uh, that were like £2, uh, £5 pair of jeans, and we bought uh, like slip-on shoes. Well, I'm a 10. They nicked that. They had the, like, Nooney was like a nine and a half, and that was nine and a half. And they had like, there was no nine and a half, they had no tens. There was only a seven. Oh, no. So I had to cut the back out of these shoes. <laughs> so we got these, and we got dressed for 10 quid. Hi guys, it's Davo from the Non-League Treatment Room Podcast. Uh, we just want to give you a quick message about one of our sponsors, Kitstop. Kitstop offer a wide range of kit for all types of sport, which can be printed and embroidered in-house. Top quality and deal with most of the leading brands. Check out their website, kitstop.co.uk, or check out the link below. Cheers, guys. So sort of finishing your playing career then. We move on to management. Yes. So you, you you leave, you don't leave Bauer, but you join as assistant. Yeah. Um, Six, five years with Jimmy. Yeah. I'm the only person, to put it on record, I'm the only person that's ever stopped with Jimmy for five years. <laughs> so, but we were good. Mm. Yeah. Was that always the plan to go into management, no. assistant manager and things like that? No, yeah. I was quite happy coaching. Um, I'm the... No, it's a stress, isn't it? Being a manager of anything is a stress. Mm. I'm a manager where assistant manager was quite good, actually. You know, you haven't got the stresses. So yeah. I love that side. I did all the coaching. 
Uh, I was the big part, you mate, just get the boys rallied, get the boys at it, get the team not, get everything sorted. I'll sort the players out. You make sure these boys are chomping at the bit. Did you see a big difference, Guy, in going from being a player to a manager? Yeah, it was difficult yeah. because I was there. I was there, big part of like them. So you have to change in a way. Yeah, well, you go from fucking, you're brilliant, you're brilliant, I love you, you want to pick it up, do you want, you know, I'll lend you a quid tonight, you lend me a quid to a beat, you're a cunt, you've just missed that tackle. Yeah. Mm. So you, you you turn around and go, or you ain't made that header, or you're late, or why are you not training properly? Yeah. So my attitude towards it was, treat people how you wanted to be treated. Absolutely. So I was always, I was hard on people, it was forgot about within, as soon as walked in that bar, it was forgot about. And I was the first one to ring them up the next day and saying, listen, I back you, I'm behind you, but you can't do this all the time. It's mm. a blip. Take it on the chin, but you're playing next week, son. Mm. And uh, that's the way I did it. And then I started to get a little bit of a bug for it. And I just said, I don't think I want to do it because I've seen the rubbish that Jim had to put up with. Mm. And my hand got forced. Okay. Jim, went, Jim went to the Yeah, league. yeah, that's when, yeah. Well, I got a phone call from the chairman saying, you need to take training tonight. And uh, when I announced you as interim manager, are you okay with that? <laughs> and I was like, it's just power, isn't it? It's the way yeah, yeah. So I went, yeah, no problem. And I hadn't got an assistant, I hadn't got any coaches. Everything was on my own. And uh, just said, first put of call was just Martin Socket was out of work. Yeah. And Sock said, I'll help you out. Yeah. And we had a good turn. We had a good time. That first year, we had a really good time. Mm. Well, we've got here that you steered Bow out to safety in uh, 2022. So sort of that, the second, is that your second season? That was the last season. Your last season. Uh... So the season before was the COVID and all yeah, that. Yeah. And then my first year taking over from Jim. So we got them up to eighth and then mm. COVID came, but we were flying. We were on fire. We were going to, we, you know, Brady was scoring, Kai Williams was scoring, um, Deck Towers, Nigel Julian was solid, Macca was solid. We had a bloody Elliot Putman. Yeah. And this is what happens, you see. Kobe came in, come back, and all the players that got nicked. Yeah. Brady was the only one that stayed. How how tough was that year when you sort of when you just only managed safety? Yeah, so that was hard. So that's I could say all the way through this. I've said you know win 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 win, and I couldn't balance the books with going training them because I mean being a manager is also. Big part of what I was doing was trying to get what I wanted to happen on the pitch, um, on the training ground. So very competitive training sessions, um, teams that played my style, but I just couldn't get the, book, the people through the door. And I just, I, I said, I'm kidding myself here. Yeah. I says I can make a big difference to a dressing room, um, but I, yeah, we had a little right budget, but every time someone did well, so they went. Yeah. Taken off so. Um, and I said, I haven't got the time for this. And it's becoming a full-time role. So I just said today, you know, a lot of people, this is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be a manager of a step three football club. I've got to step down. Dave was like, no, please don't. You've done a great job. It's always hard at Barwell. And I said, I've got to step down. Uh, and, you know, you've got to have a, 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 a diary of names that just keep revolving all the time because if you're a club that hasn't got the funds, you've got to have the next player that's coming straight in and I didn't have the time. I think that's what Jimmy was quite good at, wasn't he? He had the next person to come in. Yep. The, the next player. But it was getting harder for him, as he said. Yeah. That's one of the yeah, reasons yeah, he got. It was getting harder. You know, fair play to King, he's come in, he works for the FA, he does all the coaching uh, licences and he's he's involved in it. He's got the yeah, yeah. So And he's done all right. So am I right, am I right in saying this as a, as a quote then? 
guy. So we've got down here that you've said it was the toughest decision that you've made in 27 years in football, mm. leaving Barwa. Leaving football. Right. So I, I, that was, I, I didn't know anything else. What do I do on Saturday? I had never, even that one year that I'd had the injury, yeah. I went to watch every game, everywhere. I was involved with, it, with my mate. I've never not known what my wife says to me. Literally, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, what are you going to do? They hate the summer with me. If we're not on <laughs> holiday, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. And um, I was, it's a big decision. I said, what do I said, I'll play golf. Yeah, I'll play golf, do all them things. I'll try and fill it. Oh, it's a big gap to fill. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It's a big gap to fill. So you had a bit of time out and that's when you went to Hensford. 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 And yeah. was that sort of like... Um, a challenge. A challenge to go... Yeah, get me back into it again. And but Danny Glover played with it and Eton, did very well in Eton. Danny was a winner. Danny's, Danny's hometown club, it's a big club. They get six, seven, eight hundred fans. And there was no way of them doing survival. But the guys who were there said, listen, you can do some big things here. You can come out with some massive credibility. I think they won 11 points after 22 games. They were never going to survive. I think they had to win. They had to average two point two points a game the last 18 games to get survival. I went, wait there, you win the league if you get that and we're rock bottom. Yeah. So I said, we're not going get to get it, but we'll do what we can. And we moved people out, meet people in really quick. But Danny took all that off me and Danny went, do the pitch side. Bang, did we get that clicking? Did we get that people? And we'd only been there a few weeks and we started to get results. And then unfortunately, um, I was starting to feel unwell. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, that's on to our next point, isn't it? Unless yeah. Got def- anything else that you want no, to definitely. I think you know it's it's an important thing that I know you want to talk about, and I'm sure a lot of people want to know how you're doing and things, and it's it's, it's an important thing that we want to talk about yeah. because um, what a journey that you've been on the last six seven months. Um, so talk talk us through. So yeah, it's difficult for people. Uh, so to sort of like even intro it in. Yeah, yeah. It's a. I think the, I think the first thing is like, I'm well. Yeah. I want people yeah. to know I'm well. Um, I'm. The day I'm not well, I, I stand by this. The day I'm not well, uh, is the day I'll be real upset, you know. And you, you people will know about, you know, they keep asking you well, you well, you well. I'm out. I'm about. Yeah. I'm on it. So I say so you're very, you're very active. You well, just come straight from the gym before it. Yeah, yeah. You're at the Neatonborough yeah. doing things, and you're, you're 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 staying busy, and yeah. you're doing things, which is good. This whole football, I owe a lot to the people in football. What football has installed in me has made no doubt about it. This whole piece, this second part of my life, this journey, a whole lot easier. So I suppose if I was going back to how it all sort of started and what happened, um. I wasn't well at, um, I hadn't been feeling well for a year. But me being me, I listen, I'm all right. Wife says, go and see the doctor. I'm all right, go yeah. and see the doctor. I went and see the doctor, and I don't want to go into the long story about it because it is a long story, but for yeah. 12 months I got diagnosed with everything you could possibly imagine bar cancer. And then all of a sudden I get a random phone call. And I'm at Hensford at the time, and I've been coughing, coughing, coughing. And I mean, coughing, like Danny Alcock was, um, sorry, Danny Glover was going, any fucking chance? Mm. Coughing. I went, I know. He went, you need to have some time out. I went, fuck that. You know what I'm like? He went, all right. My lads were going, you're nuts. You're coughing. 
And you yeah. are still busting a ball to try and get there, do things. I was joining training. And I was going, I'm like, right, it's been Danny one night. I went, Danny, I'm coughing, mate, Paddy. And he went, you didn't to see the doctor. So I've been to see him. Anyway, the long story is, I've got a diagnosis for everything that is going. The short story is, come Christmas, you've got a blood infection. And it's bad and it's running you down. And I said, what's that got to do with my coughing? And they said, well, you've got a bad chest infection as well, running aside your blood infection. So they put me in all these cocktails of antibiotics. Yeah. Get a random phone call. And some guy just says, hi, um, I need to let you know you've got cancer. Okay. Uh, On the phone as well? Yeah. So it's my doc, who wasn't my regular doc, just yeah. said, you've got cancer. So I sort of like, Froze on my own. He said, What are you going to do? Do you see what's on? Do you think your family member says, No, leave me alone? Place the garden 100 times, around the kitchen 100 times. Fuck, 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 fuck. Do I tell the daughter? Do I tell the wife? Do I tell anyone? And then um, I rang him back and says, Are you fucking sure? Yeah. And he went, God, you've got cancer. So I ran the wife, everyone. Everyone rallied for me. Yeah. Everyone rallied for me. And I had a five-week spell then of you, doctor. So now all of a sudden, I'm out. I said, Hensville, I can't. I've got yeah. to get this sorted. I applied from that minute he told me what my dad told me and what I've told you all the way through this, how I did football. I will be at the front of the pack. Whatever's happening, I will win, win, win. Yeah. Win, win, win. And I said to him, you will get me right. You will get me at the front of the queues. You will get me right. I don't care what happens. And I'm ringing you in the morning and I want to know where I'm going, what time. And guy, don't worry like that. He says, I want to know where I'm going and what time. And I'm serious. I'm like, okay, I rang him this day. He went, I can't get anything done that quick. He sat there. I says, you will get it sorted by Monday. Yeah. And I was on it. And they, for five weeks, they were sending me to lung cancer. And I had, um, I got uh, the, those five weeks, did every single test you could possibly imagine on my lungs. And this Nurse just said to me, you look, look a bit upset. And says, what's going on? And uh, she said, just let me know. Are you worried about dying? I says, yeah. She says, you've got a lot of life in you, son. Don't you think that? And, I, and that was it. And I went, are you sure? She went, I've been in cancer for a long time. She says, you've got a lot of life in you. And that was my first proper tear. Like, yeah. I broke down there. And I thought, someone's given me hope. And I says, I hung on to her hand. I says, listen, I'm going to believe in that. She went, and also to let you know, I don't think you've got lung cancer. Mm. I said, what? And uh, I got a phone call on, um, on a walkout and a guy, a doctor in me up, Bill, don't even know his surname, just Bill. And he went, you need to come and see me. Your information's come across my desk. I think you've got Hodgkin's lymphoma and it's a cancer of the blood and the lymph nodes. Yeah. And you have not got lung cancer. So before I even start the argument, why have you sent me for lung cancer? Yeah. Let's just crack on. I'm in Monday. He went, you are in Monday. And he's the same as me. So you had the same attitude, which you were like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's do it. What, so what can you tell us about Hodgkin's lymphoma guy? What? So Hodgkin's lymphoma is, so there's non-Hodgkin's lymph, uh, lymphoma and there's Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. So it's the lymph node. The lymph nodes are what... Basically, when you have any kind of illness or anything at all that's going on, or scratches or scars, the lymph nodes become active and say, send the blood to there and repair. So like your white blood cells. Is yes, it your white blood cells. Your white blood yeah, cells. Yeah. And my uh, lymph nodes had got a disease, they've got cancer, and um, this chest and everything, and uh, my blood, I know it's having 
fiery hot sweats. I was having skin, my skin felt like just on fire. Like someone had got a flame in it all the time and nothing was repairing. Um, so Hodgkin's lymphoma. Then I had a sudden, I had like a five centimeter cube growing my chest. And those of you who are seeing like the pictures on Twitter, the, uh, the, uh, the yellow orangey glow. You're showing me down here, didn't you? I remember you showing me. It's just where Mate, the cancer's grown. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. Could not believe it. So basically from the neck all the way down to lower chest and back was covered in cancer. And then um, they said to me, March the 14th, um, we're going to give you the, we're going to tell you exactly where you are, what stage you're at, what everything's going to go on. Uh, 10 past 10, your appointment. So I walk in at 10 past 10. And um, I, my wife came with me and she got a phone call, 10 past 10, that her mum had died. So she just said, I don't know what to do. This is where you're going to get told, whether it's good, bad or whatever. I said, you got to go. So that was tough. She got to go and do her bit on her own. Yeah. I had to go and do my bit. And my mum, she came with me and he just went, he put his arm on my shoulder and he went, I'll sort you out, but you're stage four. Right. And um, we need to act now. And you'll be in on Tuesday. This was Friday. You'll be in on Tuesday. And then I got a phone call on the Monday saying, listen, it's gone a lot further than we thought. And the, you know, the annoying thing is, it's been in my system, they reckon, for over a year. And it hasn't been picked up. And... I've got private health, maybe I should have gone down that route, blah, 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 but you're trusting your doctors. I do get it that people can make mistakes, but come on. And um, he said, do this trial. And uh, basically, I said, what is it? He says, you're having a whole lot of chemo. So I was meant to have uh, two to three hours of chemo um, once every 21 days. You have a 21 day rest to get over the chemo. And then he said, you'll be in for five days, doing eight hours a day. And you'll get nine days off, and then five five days on, eight hours a day, nine days off. And you'd be poorly. And there'll be a lot of things we've got to do to your body <clears throat> to support the what we're doing with how much cancer you're having. So we've got to do daily scans on your heart. We've got to do uh, daily scans on your bladder because the chemo will kill your bladder. Uh, and also, if it's left in there too long, it crystallizes up in your bladder, and then you're in all sorts of pain. Your, your blood starts to crystallise as well with one of them and we have to put a neutraliser in and blah, blah, blah. And they're all fine windows and uh, you're going to be poorly at night. Your bowels are going to be turned off because we need to keep the chemo in you. But you've got to double your calories as well. So you're going to be in the, you're, you're, you're going to be wanting to go to the toilet and you can't. It's going to hurt. Uh, you're going to be immensely tired. You're not going to want to eat, but you've got to double your calories. <clears throat> you've got to be at 8 o'clock every single morning. And there, you, you'd like to fall asleep while you're in there, but you can't because people are, I had a pump in my arm um, that was pumping through my arm yeah. um, permanently. And it was permanently my, a 42 centimetre line straight through into my heart because of the, the collapse of the veins. So listen, that's the downside. Hmm. I went, sod this, let's crack on. So I went in and first day in there, I went to him, um, it's Monday, it's Tuesday. And uh, just let you know, girls, no fucker dies on a Tuesday. And uh, everyone started laughing. So I went, guess what? It's Wednesday today. No fucker dies on a Wednesday. This happened every day. And I, I, bet I, they, I bet I, they loved you. I bet, I, I bet it's, 
Oh, it's class. Old yeah, sport. But... Even old dots, you name it. Young... Yeah, and this oh, bloke yeah. comes up to me and he says, I'm a Borough fan. It's Thursday. No fucker dies on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and then this lady came up to me on one of the Fridays and she says, you've got a potty mouth. He says, oh, I'm sorry. She said, but no fucker dies on a Friday. <laughs> And then I started ringing. This is when I started doing my Twitter. Yeah, so that's quite a, 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 a big thing that you did. And you started sort of telling people your journey, what was going on, how you were feeling. Was that, was that important? Was that important? Massively for important, mate. And it, I recommend it to anyone. So, listen, I'm not big into counselling. I'm yeah. big into talking to people. Yeah. Is it a form of counselling? I've come across, I suppose, that, you know, my football career that, you know, I've been... I'm a winner. I want yeah, to win things. Yeah. I'm the first to put my arm around you. If I like you and you try, I'll put my arm around you. And that's my form of counselling. And I'll help you with whatever it is. You better try equally as hard as me and I'll help you. And I know a lot of people have been, I've, I've had a lot of friends, but when I was a manager, assistant manager, and still to this day, I don't lose people around me. At work, I don't lose people around me. Because I'll look after the people that are good. And the ones that aren't, if they don't want to work to my rules and they want a different way of life, then quite fine, go and do it with someone else. But I just thought, I'm not going to reach out for help. I can help myself. But way of helping myself is talking. And I'm not going to bore people to death with, I've got cancer, I've got cancer, I've got cancer. What I'm going to do is reassure them that I'm all right. Don't you worry about me. And what people are preempted will do is respond with something positive. Yeah. And all I needed was someone to say, you're okay. You're strong. And then I started to want very quickly someone to say, you're an inspiration. I'm not very well, but you pick me up. That's what I wanted to come out of it. Really, what and that started to come out. I had quite a lot of private messages of like, "I'm down. My son's got this, or I've got this. You've really picked me up today." And I just put back. That's all I wanted. And that did that help you carry on and go? Yeah, that's giving me the fuel and the fire to go. Let's keep pushing on. Let's that's keep. it. So my daughter is. You got children. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my daughter's 17. She's known nothing as my, everywhere she goes, oh, yeah, that's my dad. Oh, yeah, that's my dad. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah right, my dad. And I walk in the house and she'll go, oh, my boyfriend said, dad, don't, don't, don't pick <laughs> yeah, on me. Yeah, yeah. And then my wife will just look at me and go, your dad will do that. My mates will go, your guy will do that. Mm. And then everyone was going, don't you do that, guy. Oh, no, guy, don't you do that. And I was like, fuck off. Mm. When I'm really bad, I will let you know I'm bad. Mm. Now I'm not well, but I can raise my hands. I can stand up. I can go and I can get a backpack on. I can still go for a walk and I can still go to the gym. And this doctor says, if you can, you go. Cause I've got a funny feeling that you're going to do it anyway. And I went, I am. And I went, I'm doing it. And I just carried on doing stuff. But my daughter went, oh dad, I'm so glad you're doing it. Because to her, she thought cancer's, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And when she seen me doing stuff, she was, it, went, it, it didn't go, but in her head, she wasn't worried that, where's dad, what's going on? Yeah. She'd just go, dad's at the gym, dad's off doing something stupid. Yeah. Oh, dad's having chemo, it's all right, he'll come back in and just do something stupid. Mm. And you have to put brave faces on. Yeah. But this is where I felt for the first time in my life, I was a real man. A real, real man of, you know, all that on the football pitch and all what I do in work and me being a father of the year. But to be able to turn around and show others how resilient you can be if you want to be made me feel really strong. 
Well, we've got, we've literally got, we had Steno on last week and we took a quote from what Steno said. And uh, when he, he was talking about you and your relationship with Steno, mm. and he talked about how he looks now at life a lot differently because of how you've been throughout mm. this whole process. Uh, so, I just, oh, mate, honestly, I'm. It's, but it's how you look at it. So you keep keep things very simple. You, I, I said that, that was a, there's a boy lost. There's a boy lost who wanted to do well, and I said to you two guys when we came here. He wants to do well, genuinely wants to do well. And I know him from old. And he, I had a private conversation with him saying, do you really want to? He says, yeah. I says, I'll put my hand up. I'll get you there, but you've got to do it with me. And I'll do it. He says, you help me get fit. I'll help you be the best player you can. And I says, but there's a couple of rules. And I'll read them to you. Read them to you. Well, I told him, so we're all on the same page. And I said to Matt Stenson, I went, you're not allowed to say no. If you say no to me, then I quit on you. Mm. You only say yeah. I don't care what it is, you have to say yeah. This is the challenge. You have to say yeah. And I says, you first to all the sessions. You run to your drop and you're top of every chart. Now, we haven't got to all of them yet because he's had a little injury. But what he has done, every time I say anything, for the first week, he went, guy, I went, you fucking say no to me. What have I just been through? And I'm allowed to say this. What have I just been through? And mm. I finally said no on one of those days. I might not be here. Yeah. I've had to say, yeah. And he went, fuck off, guy. You can't use that one, mate. I says, I can, son. And you fucking will, won't you? And he went, yes, I will. Now the bastard's turn around and text him in the morning. What are we doing tomorrow? What mm. are we on to today? Just changed his mindset. Mm. Yeah. And this is what I've done with the Gazdeans of the world and other players around me. Changed their mindset. And it's not hard so easy to look at the negative side. So there's the, there's the drastic side where people are very negative in football. And there is a negative side. He's rubbish, he's shy, he's crap. Yeah, and then there's the other side where just looking at someone, you see their demeanour. Why are your shoulders rounded? Why is your chin down? Why are you whinging? Why are you tutting? That's the first signs of it. And I say to them, well, I've got, I've got some lads in there. I've did a bit of work. It's brilliant with Jimmy. And I say, oi, why is your chin on your chest? Oh, for fuck's sake, guy. Now they're all walking in with the chins up in the air. And they're all going, what are you doing that for? Well, if we don't, you have a go at us. And now they're all starting to have a laugh. And they were anyway, but there's just a couple of a couple of individuals. Yeah. And I go, and they all look at me and go, why do you walk around with your chin up? Why do you walk around bouncing? Why do you walk around buzzing? Why do you find the littlest things exciting? I says, because I wake up in the morning and I'm alive. Yeah. And it's as simple as it is. Yeah. I think it's a great... Man, you've got me here, honestly. I've, for the first time on this podcast, I can't say anything. I can't speak. You've just got it's, me, it's, honestly. Because it's just... Unbelievable, it's, 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 mate. It's real talk, isn't it? Unreal. And it's... Yeah, yeah. It's, you're looking at it from a different perspective and you're, and it's the mindset. The mindset that you've, you've, you've prepared in yourself that this is how we're going to go. It, I don't and this want, is what you, we're doing. You don't want cancer. And no one wants cancer. No, no. But I'm a very lucky boy. I've come out the other side. There's a little, the first thing I said to the wife, again, I really got upset two or three times. And one of them said, I got upset the day I rang the bell. And I said to her, I feel a bit of an imposter because there's so many people happy and I'm not going to take that away from my family and us because we need to enjoy this. Because there was, it was touch and go, you know, at times. Mm. But there's people in there that I got to know a lot of people. Some of them people aren't going to come through it. Mm. And should I be celebrating? 
the fact that I've come through. And I've come to terms with that now, that yes, I should be, because why should you not celebrate coming through that journey? All I can do is be there for others yeah. and talk to them. And I will be. I've done a lot of things with a lot of people. Um, and this is what I've just got now. You know, I've got back involved with football. I said to Jimmy, bring me home. I said to him, bring me home. Uh, I think when I started it, you know, the whole thing, when we started talking, I said, you know, what is it, what is it you love about football? And it's it's just it's, 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 it's what part of my life is. It's, it's, mm. it's, 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 it's what I know. Mm. It's, it's, like a, it's like another extension of my family. And now, me going back to the borough, I do the warm-ups with them, I do the strength and conditioning, I'm involved with mentoring, all sorts of bits. But while I'm doing it, I'm giving high fives to every fan that walks through the door, yeah. shaking hands with every fan that walks into the bar, mm. and they love me for it, but I love them for it. Yeah, like you said, you're giving back. You feel like you're giving back. Completely giving yeah. back. Coming here today for this podcast, I know you two guys anyway, yeah. I want you to do well, I want my message to be out there. We're yeah. all one community, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. 100%. I just think it goes to show how important it is just to be positive and setbacks. I know we've had people on here that have had little injuries and stuff like that, or quite big injuries in football, but I just think God just epitomised how important it is to be positive, for no matter what. Do you know what I mean? And I think and that you, surround you yourself with people as well. Yeah, you can get through, and don't give in. You know, I know we're probably coming towards the end of this now, but... Mm. There is a story out there. There's a guy called Morty Titton who I started with. I told you he was yeah. our captain at Inkley. Yeah. He told us in 2003, four he got cancer. But he got told it's terminal. You're done. And uh, that hit us all in many different ways. Yeah. And this guy's, he's one of the people that's rang me. So through cancer, people come to you very quickly and want to find out what's going on. And 75% of them disappear. It's just, it's just the world we live in. Yeah. 20% of them stay around for intermittent pieces and then three or four or 5% stick with you all the way through. Well, Morton Titson was one of the ones that stuck through me daily, ringing me, how are you, what's going on, don't get ahead of yourself, take your time, listen, mate, I've been there, reach out, blah, blah, blah. It was another family member and he got diagnosed and he got told... So he's got a tumour right around his spine, in his brain, blah, blah, blah. And he said, listen, I won't see you anymore, boys, blah, blah, blah. After Christmas, I'm done. And insurance policies, everything else, all done, paid for, lot, wife, young kid. And he went to, it's been such a long time ago, I can't remember that exactly the detail, but come March, April, off all the treatment, radiation, everything, he's going back in to be told, like, we've got dates. And they went, it's going to happen. And then it didn't happen. And then he went back in and they went, it's fucking gone. Wow. Well, it's, it's gone. All the way through to the last day, he never stopped believing. Yeah. And now we're talking 10, 15 years on. He's still here and he's still fighting fit and he's clear. And I never forget that, I mean, listen, mine was a tough journey. There was always a lot of hope. He had none. Mm. And he came through it. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Can we finish on a high? Yeah. yeah well, we were just about to say to you now, how is everything now? You're I'm well absolutely now. fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> Mentally, I'm in the best place I've ever been. I've never been a down person, but mm. I now, everything is channeled towards positivity. Um, little things don't affect me at all anymore. Mm. I'm enjoying life. 
I cannot believe how fit and strong I've got within four weeks of coming off. You're good, mate. You do look good. And I will be, my challenge is, I'm already 23 days into a monster fitness regime. I go every single day without fail, sometimes twice a day. And when I get to day 60, my challenge is I will be back to where I was. And I was fit and powerful before. And I will be. I get tired very easily. And I do rest in the afternoon. I'm, I've got some lasting effects like feeling uh, my skin, especially my hands and feet, they're numb, mm. but they're starting to come back. Um, I get incredible bad cramp in my calf and feet. Um, and the quacks have said it's basically to do with the muscle tissues and lack of salt. I'm hemoglobin uh, as well. My blood levels are I'm anemic, but I'm not moaning about it. You know, My bloods are coming back. My my immune system is getting there now, so I have to be a little bit cautious, not too much. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I reckon at the minute I'm about sixty five percent. Life's good, people are good around me. Yeah. I got no complaints, mate. Love I'm forty four. Long, long. Let's yeah. do another forty years of this. I love it, mate. Honestly, yeah, I absolutely it. love it. Should, should yeah. we get into it then? Cooking. We're going to do some quick part. fires. Go for it. Honestly, guys, it's been brilliant, and honestly, it's. What a conversation this has been, and we appreciate it. So, quick fires uh, 10 or 12 questions of little things throughout your career. So, best player you've coached or managed? Uh, coached or managed, it's got to be Brady. Brady, okay, yeah, yeah, he's got to, yeah, because my time, Brady's he's, he's unbelievable, yeah, goal scoring machine, great kid as well. He's one of the ones, the four percent, he's been there through with me, yeah, brilliant, lad. definitely. Best player you've signed. Yeah, he had a short period as manager. Kai Williams. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kai, yeah. Kai Williams. Probably yeah. Kai Williams, best player signed, or, you know, yeah, because yeah, the rest really stayed with me. It's Kai Williams, yeah. Talani, Otomoli. Mm, okay. What about best player you played with throughout your whole career? Yeah, I mean, you take. It's you, tough, move, it? you, <laughs> you move the Villa thing aside because, you know, you've got all yeah, that boys yeah, yeah. and you don't know they're there. Yeah. The only person I really knew was Gareth Barry, it was going to be something special. Yeah. And I was lucky. I did get nutmeg by Zola once in a friendly, but <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, but Kyle Storer's got to be got to be right up there with uh, with that. Yeah, no. Okay. Favorite memory in football? Nuneaton promotions. Okay. And the Aston Villa is probably the, the whole grounding of me. Yeah. There, but um, Nuneaton Borough and those four years. Uh, you know, it's a collective. You know, it's hard to single any of them out. That Rightly so. Uh, when you have a bit of downtime, favourite TV series, programme, anything you'd like to switch off and Oh, watch? do you know what? I'm a massive fan of The Chase. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. The Chase. Can you never get the questions right. Though, the 1% Club. Yeah, good yeah one, very yeah. good, mate. Well, I've got the 1% question right the first one and I'm addicted to it now. I can't get anything <laughs> right now. Really? But me and the wife me and the wife like that one. Um, and if I get the 1% question right, I promise a bit of nookie. So <laughs> <laughs> I've had it once. Yeah. <laughs> I've had it once in 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is quite a tough one, guy. Um, biggest name in your phone book? Biggest name. So, uh, my, my best mate is uh, John Curtis, and he played for Man United. Of course, yeah. But um, probably, um, like I said at the start, um, there's a couple of Dean Saunders I've got in there who, um, going back to when I was at the Villa, and yeah. back to, but the biggest one probably is Ian Taylor. And he reached out to me massively while this was all going on. Okay. And he's been, I'm there next Sunday to meet him at the villa. He's been absolutely wow, unreal. Brilliant. With Superb, brilliant. What about, um, I don't know if you have many cheat meals, but favourite takeaway? 
Oh, definitely. Curry. Curry, yeah. And you know what? Your taste buds, so, oh, same COVID effect, your taste buds go on the chemo. Do they? So I've been in the old Vindaloo. Yeah. Really? And the, and the chemo starts to wear off. I'm starting to realise how fucking oh, hot Vindaloo oh, is. Yeah, <laughs> I've been absolutely peppering it on. Horrible. <laughs> um, who was your idol growing up, guy? Paul Gascoigne. Yeah. Paul McGrath, and when I got playing, but Paul Gascoigne, fucking how did I cry when he, he um, Italian 90. Yeah. I cried my eyes out, mate. He's my hero. And someone told me, because I knew when it was down the oak in Attleborough, someone said to me, Paul Gascoigne's died. I started crying. Mm. He, yeah, this was only a couple of years ago. Yeah. I was absolutely endeavoured. I'm a joke here, mate. I went, mate, you can't do that. No. <laughs> you have already mentioned this, but your first live game. Went to. Yeah. Aston Villa Conti. Yeah, I think it was 91, 1990. You got any superstitions as a manager guy? Or when you were a player? Or when you were a player? Yeah. yeah. It's a, the only superstitions I had was, was, I was in a very, I was in a routine, so what you say when I got it, it'll be early. Yeah. I work on time all yeah. the time. I task, every task I've got, I hold to a time. Um, so that is one. And the other one was really weird. I don't know why I do it, but I've done it. I used to go to the gym before a game. Okay. You think, I, I think I do remember it. Well, at Barber, I used yeah. to go in the little gym. All the time. Before, and you were in the gym working out before did the 20, game. 20 minutes. But I used to go yeah. and do the gym. So the old Paul Barroners at the villa turned around and said, before some before training, he used to do gym work. And then we did it back to front. And uh, and I felt really good in training. I felt mm. powerful. And then people were going fatigued and they changed it to, obviously, later on, learning more. You do gym after us. Well, I loved it. Yeah. So I just carried on doing sit-ups and push-ups and a few weights and I went out there, ready. Got a little pump mm-hmm. on, yeah. What about favourite holiday destination? Uh, well, it's, it's... Can't choose Magaluf. Yeah, well, yes, <laughs> I mean, we could do a whole podcast of Magaluf, honestly. <laughs> and we could do a whole podcast. Magcast. I mean, the, we've had, they call me Mr. Magaluf. <laughs> you always go, that's why. I know. No, in Magaluf, when I go, that's yeah. Brady's just taken the mantle. Has he? And we, and we have a programme, a Magaluf programme. I've got the make from every year, but... It ain't Magaluf, no. It's, uh, it was Mexico, but we've quite taken to Greece, you know. Yeah, oh, lovely, mate. lovely. Superb, mate, Greece. Yeah, yeah, I'm, going, I'm going in tw- September, tw- three weeks. Yeah, lovely. Whereabouts? Uh, Helkadiki. Nice, nice. Nice. Right, and, and then, then the last one. Off. It's a big one. Best team night out that you've ever been on? Um, <clears throat> every weekend, we, we were pissing people off and doing crazy, stupid things. But probably... A few Christmas dues we've had, and uh, down in Eaton, we 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 did. Uh, we used to get dressed up and go around the town. When everyone used to get dressed up and go around the town, yeah. And uh, yeah, we always remember the fountain. Yeah, it's yeah. gone now. Yeah. yeah, we used to end up in the fountain in our fancy dress. <laughs> well, I was dressed as a penguin. <laughs> I was trying to swim. We had some, but they were just off the cuff. Yeah. So it was right. We're going around and eating. And these lads were Northampton and Birmingham. Round and eating. But when the eating was busy. Oh, mate. Yeah. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I'd probably say a couple of those Christmas dues. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, Guy, that's 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 the end of the podcast. And again, appreciate you coming on and joining. And oh, I've loved stories. it. Mate, honestly, can't thank you enough. You probably take, you know, know, these podcasts are an hour and a half. Well, we had, we had, we had two hours. <laughs> two hours. Bro. I don't care, though. No. Just, do cut, just cut it down, boys. It's all yeah, good. Mate, you ain't going to. But we, um, we're so glad that you're doing well. Um, Absolutely, mate. We're 
Where's yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to just say while, while it's an opportunity. Just yeah, go thank, ahead. Well, thanks to you guys. Loved yeah. it. Um, really loved it. And uh, I think it's a good opportunity to say, you know, you are the people that are reached out. You know, I, I, every single message that came through, I tried to reply to everybody. Uh, it meant a lot. And I did go home and talk to the family and say, guess what? I've got a message here. I've got a message there. And my wife's seen it. And my daughter's seen it. It picked me up. It meant a lot. So, you know, I will be seeing you all about because uh, I'm on the non-league circuit again. For God's sake, when you see me, please just come up to me and say, how are you getting on? Do yeah. not be frightened and worried about yeah. me. So no. thank you. Yeah, Mate, brilliant. What a fucking pleasure. And no, I'm not trying to be funny here, but what a guy. Podcast Network.